We're all trying to make it to that higher role. Well, tonight, author D. Neil Elliott is going to offer some perspective on his journey. So get yourself ready because this grind becomes so official right now. Michelle here, certified spiritual mindset and wellness coach, helping high achievers find fluidity between their emotional, spiritual, and physical well-being while bridging the gap between who they are in service and who they were designated to be by our creator. Tonight is going to be a wonderful night. And why is that? Because I have D. Neil Elliott here. He is the author of the book entitled The Higher Road. And as I mentioned on the intro coming into this, we're always looking for spiritual beings. We're always looking for that next space and place, that next thing or tool, if you will, that we could put in our tool chest to help us to elevate to the next level or maybe just make our journey one that we can understand a little bit more, navigate a little bit easier. And tonight will be tonight will be a space for us to take in a perspective that's probably going to be a little bit different than what some of you may have heard. I know it was a little bit different for me and I got the opportunity to read the book. So I always appreciate being able to step into a world that may not be familiar with me just to see what are some other perspectives out there. So you're going to get some of that tonight with D. Neil Elliott. As always, if you haven't already, go ahead and log on to thegrindtofind.com, click on feed, and make sure you hit that notification bell in whatever app you choose so that you can stay updated when I upload new episodes to the show. But I'm not going to take any time. I'm going to get right on into this. So before I jump on into the conversation that D. Neil Elliott and us had, let me just let you know a little bit about him and what's going on in his world. Now, to any outsider, D. Neil Elliott was highly educated, owned a profitable consulting firm, and had a successful career, an amazing wife and family, and all of the good stuff we all, many of us, have, but things were not as they seemed. Neil was facing a lot of challenges uh, in his life, and in a phrase, he was in a dark place. So quite by accident, he discovered a higher road. Now, as he traveled that road, he found the key to transforming his life. He learned that the search for a better life does not entail positive thinking or saying affirmations, chanting mantras, or traveling to India to sit at the feet of a guru or any of the other popularized methods of finding yourself. The key he learned? To ascend in both spiritual perception and truth You need to use the right process to break through your entrenched human ego barriers. Neil believes that as more and more people follow this higher road to true spiritual perfection, a new era of love and peace will dawn for everyone throughout the world. So when I got wind of this, I said, hmm, this is interesting. So Neil and I got together and decided to sit down and have a conversation about his book, a higher road and the journey that he's been on up until this point. And here's what we got the opportunity to talk about. All right. So today is a phenomenal day in the TGD studios neighborhood because I have none other than D Neil Elliott. And if you guys have no idea who he is, Oh, well you are about to get your whole entire life and find out who he is today. 
But I have to start, first of all, he is an amazing author of a book called A Higher Road. And this higher road is one higher than anyone you can ever have in your life because this book is tackling the divine in a way that I haven't seen before now. Daniel Elliott, how are you? Thank you so much for taking time to join me today. Oh, thank you, Tara Lynn. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. And please, everybody, just call me Neil. Call you Neil. I will do just that. So, you know, I, this is the thing. I'm so excited about this. I have to jump right in. I have to jump right in on this. This book has so many layers. It, it has so thought-provoking, pro- profound It's one of those types of pieces that really just beckons you to clear everything out around you and just be in the moment. And one of the things that stuck out most to me, I remember uh, reading about Anita Morjani. She's a cancer survivor. She was diagnosed in 2002. She had a near-death experience. And what happened was um, the book talks about her body being riddled with tumors. She was actually taken to the hospital. Her body was riddled with tumors, and she had these lesions all over her body, open lesions that were weeping. She was in a coma, and her family was told that she wouldn't make it through the night. Well, Anita ends up sitting up the next day at the hospital, and she said to her family when she set up that she would be okay. Subsequent testing and everything went on. It was. Uh, it turned out that her cancer was just gone from nowhere. They went through this process of trying to find out how was this woman healed like this? Where did how how did this happen? Because they didn't have any answers. They expected for her to die, but it turned out that she didn't. And she described her near death experience, or, or during her near death experience, this end state that she went through because there there's um in the book a higher road you reference Anita's book which we'll probably touch on a little bit but you guys you guys are going to by the end of this you're going to have a lot <laughs> that you'll need to do to really get plugged in but it's so very worth it so very worth it I'm so glad I got the opportunity to read this but the end state that was interesting to me because I think so many of us who are are struggling to try to find Footing within our lives. We tend to want to look for the big picture and that end state. But there's so much more that has to go on spiritually for us to get there. So if you could just tell the audience a little bit about the end state and what that environment of being is like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's a, that's a great point to start with. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Anita's and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience after I've been through this seven-step process. Uh, Anita when she was in this coma, she had this feeling. So she came back with specific messages. And some of the messages she came back with were, we're all unified after we die. We come from love and we return to love. Love is all we are. We're not judged after death. No matter what you do in this lifetime, you are not judged. And you're accepted and you're, oh, and It's overwhelming the unconditional love that you will feel when you cross over. And she describes a process where she felt like she was becoming part of everything in the universe, whether it was a a tree, wood, rock, other people. She could see 360 degrees around her, um, whatever she focused her attention on, she could uh, see and pay attention to. 
Uh, her brother was flying out from India and she was in Hong Kong in the hospital. She said she saw him on the plane and she could feel what he felt as he was rushing to try and get there before she died. For me, what this did is part of this process, which we'll talk about, is for me, this started to bridge this scientific information that I discuss, what we know today in science, and gave me something that just made me feel secure that what I was about to do, <laughs> and we'll talk about that too, but I was about to do that I was going to be okay. I wouldn't be judged for doing it. It just gave me this whole new concept of consciousness. Now, for me, my book offers a uh, seven-step process to, from no matter where you are, whatever situation you're in, however you feel, to absolute inner peace, love, joy, abundance, and prosperity. And I can tell you that if you can understand this information and digest this information, you can get to a point to experience things that Anita experienced. And your experience of that may be less intense or or not as prolonged as Anita experienced it because she experienced it for 24 hours. But, you know, after I went through my meditation process and spent time doing all the inf all the things that you need to do in this in this process. I had a year after I started this process, I had two meditations where I went into this uh, meditation and uh, changed levels of frequency of consciousness and, and explain how all of this happens. And I got to a state where I was just enveloped in unconditional love. And I just wanted to stay there forever. I didn't care what happened to my body. I didn't care about the pain it was in. I didn't care about anything. I just wanted to stay in that state. And I just felt supported and loved and non-judged. And it was, it's, it's indescribable in human language. We don't have the language to describe what you actually feel. This process is about feeling and knowing and communication is entirely different. You don't speak words. You might hear some words. I hear things, but it, it's just, it's a knowing. It's like you, you transfer. If somebody thinks something, you just know what they're saying. It is, it's tough to describe, but it is for lack of a better word, because it's the only thing I can think of. It's magical. It really is magical. It is, it is, it is our end state. It is beautiful and wonderful and magnificent and nothing that you could ever just imagine. It sounds to me like it's clearing a bunch of clutter. It's the purity of the connection between you and things and people around you. Because I think now there's so much clutter that we have within our minds and things that we experience that stop us from really being able to um, connect to people and things around us uh, the, the, the way that we probably could. You talk here, um, one of the things that, that I love, you talked about bridging the gap between uh, science and spirituality and being freed from the bondage of ego. And when you mentioned ego just a moment ago, that's what I thought about because you talk about universal consciousness, you talk about divine consciousness, and you talk about human consciousness. Talk a little bit more about that um, to the, the the listeners when you're describing those things that, and ego is huge in everything that we do people think that ego just has to do with men <laughs> ego is a human thing it's not just a man thing people you're listening um, but but talk a little bit about those 
Um, okay, so when you go through this process, you'll go through a process of, of understanding this and this, your understanding of these three things, universal consciousness, divine consciousness, and human consciousness will deepen as you go through this process. But in short, div, uh, universal consciousness is what is the only thing that existed before the Big Bang. And information that I share in the book, and if you go through the seven stops, seven steps, will tell you exactly what was before the Big Bang, the impetus for the Big Bang, what divine consciousness is, how it was created, why it was created, and the mechanisms um, that are that we know in science, but it bridges this gap between the spiritual world or, or spirituality and science. And so in this bridge, we can then understand how electromagnetism is the seat of our existence and our material world. And the ego is, so universal consciousness, I'll back up, universal consciousness at the time of the Big Bang, through its desire for self-expression and uh, just in wanting to experience itself, it split itself into divine consciousness, which works both in silence and stillness and in equilibrium. And the activity part of divine consciousness creates materialized form. The ego is a tool of creation to split divine consciousness into individuals to create individuality in a material form. Our ego, our soul, is hidden within the ego, and our ego will remain in control of our life. What we perceive to be true, what we think is right or wrong, true or false, um, how we behave in the world, it only has two mechanisms to do this, and it will, our soul will remain captive to the ego until we learn how to dissolve the bondages that keep it hidden to connect back with the divine. The soul is always trying to get back to where it came from, to feel that unconditional love, which that's what universal consciousness is. That's what divine consciousness is. It is love, unconditional. And our soul is always trying to get back there, but it can only do that through the prompting of the ego. And the ego only has two mechanisms that we use in life to, um, to get what we want. Absolutely. So at this point, I know Listeners are wondering now, wait a minute, this is this is good, but how? <laughs> how did you get to the space of doing this type of work? So so where were you? What was the space like in your life where you decided, okay, something has to change that started you on the journey of writing this phenomenal piece of work that you've written? Everything that we do, we create our our own reality, our own experiences in life. We Anything that comes into our life, be it joyful or things that we feel are negative, we've created. We create every experience, everything that comes into our lives. I got myself to a point uh, four years ago uh, in late 2017 where I was in this deep depression. I felt there was no purpose to life. It was just, it was a struggle. And uh, and I sat down, I had was planning my suicide. I sat down 
to craft this suicide note. And I still had this nagging doubt about being judged after death because my limited understanding of religion and creation was that, you know, if you do bad things, you go to hell. If you commit suicide, you go to hell. If you do good things, you go to heaven. Didn't want to go to hell, but life was so pointless for me. And I was so deeply depressed, which of course I didn't share with anybody. No one in my family knew, let alone friends. And so I was planning this suicide, but I had come across some material about a week or so prior to that point of writing that suicide note that promised to liberate me if I took the chance and read it and understood it. And so being an engineer uh, and a project manager, I thought, okay, well, I finished my suicide note and I was planning it to ensure my wife was would be financially secure and I could say goodbye to family without them knowing what I was going to do. And I thought, well, I'm going to put that aside because I, I can always commit suicide and I'll read this material and see whether or not it makes a difference. And a year later, after I started this process, I woke up one morning and it was, I was full of inner peace. I was full of joy. I felt entirely prosperous and, and prosperous, not in financial means. Life has nothing to do with how much money you have or you don't have. Life is an inward journey. And unfortunately, we typically allow our externalities, our, our external environment to control what we think and how we behave. And what you really need to do is go inside. But you need this process, or at least I needed this process that was grounded in science and bridged this gap between spirituality and science. And that was what made the difference for me. And then I was dedicated to it and I followed the process and I opened myself up to enable my soul to be able to reconnect with the divine to continue this process of a spiritual awakening. I love that. Just as it reminds me of um, just like in the Bible, God has a ram in the bush for us all the time. Some of us miss it, <laughs> but that's what it sounds like to me. You are at that space. What would what would be a bottom for anyone? But you knew that you wanted something that goes to when you talk about in a higher road, the importance of belief. Belief is something that you have to cultivate. And um, through the process of me going through this book, that's basically what you're doing. You're not only explaining the connection between our spirituality and the science that goes along with it, but this book also helps people to cultivate that space of belief if you're open to some things that exist in a way that maybe you're not used to hearing about or that you're not accustomed to. So I really appreciate that. So you mentioned a few times about a process, and I'll tell people who are listening, the process that Neil is referring to is definitely, it's in the book. And I mean, you've gone through great, you could tell that this was a, a labor of love for you. It turned into a, a, a passionate quest. It may have started in the beginning with a little bit of skepticism and well, I don't know, but then it went from there to like, yes, I'm all in. And so I love how when I was going through this, this book, you kind of gave cues as to some of the things that we do as humans that might block us from receiving something that's different, but that can take us higher. So let's talk about the process for if someone picks up a higher road, which you definitely should, what they can expect and how to navigate this substantial work to really be able to connect 
to that next phase of who you are, the the, the spirit woman or man and, and, and on your journey? Yeah, um, absolutely. So my recommended way to approach this book, A Higher Road, Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spiritually, is to read it from cover to cover, understand the process in its entirety, and then make that decision for yourself whether you think it's going to make sense for you. If it does make sense for you, then, or if you're interested in just going back, go back and either start with some of the scientific readings that uh, I recommend and share, uh, or start directly with step one. Then you need to go through it methodically after that, and you need to be dedicated to it. And the blueprint document uh, that I share with people, uh, you need to be able to approach it with openness you need to be approached as if you were a, a little child full of joy full of wonder no prejudgments and you have to be very careful about this in terms of if you're really want to follow this process you have to not doubt doubt creates consciousness barriers in your in your consciousness in your mind and that will block understanding and learning the material that you're going to read and so what you need to do is you need to just keep those in abeyance and and keep belief and faith that you're going to be able to understand this information as you go through it slowly and carefully and methodically. And if you do that, I, I feel that you, anybody, can transform their life, no matter where they're at, whether they are ill or they're healthy, whether they're wealthy, or they're poor, whether they're living in a mansion, or they're living on the street. I believe this process and this information that I offer to people um, can transform their life. And I know that some people may read it and it won't be for them. They're just, you know, they may need a different process. They may not be at a point where they're receptive to this kind of information. But I can tell you, if you are, this can make the difference between, you know, where you're currently at and how you're enjoying life to an entirely new perspective. Neil and I were talking before stepping into the studio today and I was telling him, I was like, I just, I didn't know where to begin for today because there's just, there's so much. And I love the fact that there are uh, so many different layers to this, just as we evolve, this work is work that can evolve with you because on every level of your evolution, it opens um, a new vault, if you will, of, of, of understanding. I think there are so many corridors within our mind and within our being that are closed, meaning we've never accessed. This work allows you to be able to open some of those corridors, those corridors and those doors and walk through them. And that happens in due time, in divine time, I believe. You talk and hear about... Uh, there's a section that's a part of an excerpt that I really like that talked about what and who you are and the capability of being able to get to a space of where you're actually whole and real. What was that? Have you gotten to a space where you feel as though you're whole and real now? And what was it like to arrive at that space to know that, oh, wait a minute, this is this is a Neil that I didn't even know <laughs> existed before this moment. And I love it. What was that like for you? If you well, first of all, have you made it there where you think you're whole and you're real? Um, you know, that that's a that's a great question. And I can tell. So let me approach the answer this way, is that when you first 
approach, go through this process. You will get an understanding from the information that you're reading that will evolve over time. So as I read a sentence or a paragraph of information, you know, when I first started this, I had a, I had an understanding and I read that same paragraph or that same information today. It is entirely evolved and at a much deeper level or higher frequency of understanding than I understood before. And so, you know, whether I am completely whole and real, put it this way, I think that I am progressing in a way, in the divine way that I need to progress to be able to transcend my ego completely, to be able to, when I leave this lifetime, or it might be a future lifetime, but when I leave that lifetime where I've totally transcended my ego, I will be not have to be reincarnated again. I will be able to step into the light and let my real life begin. I think a fundamental thing that, that we all need to understand is we are not here to please God. We are here to express God and God is love. And you need to get to a place where, or well, you do need to get to a place to do this transition where you express love equally to everyone. What you can see, what, what I see now when I see people that, you know, previously I thought were doing reprehensible things. I see those people now and I know that is their struggle to the light. It is only through lessons of suffering that the journeying soul gains self-knowledge to retain individuality after it has discarded the ego. This process of awakening is really a process where we come here through many reincarnations in different genders, uh, in different places of origin, uh, in different colors of skin, uh, different languages, different educational levels, different circumstances of being wealthy or poor. And all of these serve to help the soul learn the lessons that it needs to learn to be able to finally wake up one day, realize what it's doing to itself, and begin this process of a transformation, of dissolving these bondages and allowing it to connect back with the divine to be able to express unconditional love to everybody and everything. So when I see people today, I see I see them as a soul of, uh, of unconditional love, of a fragment of divine consciousness that is equal to my soul. And that anything that they're doing externally in this world is just their ego has control. And their ego is doing the things that it needs to do to try and be happy and keep itself safe and secure. And it is just their journey. So now I feel love for them. And especially at night when I'm, you know, middle of the night, I have these meditations in the middle of the night where I have strong connection with the divine or with other guides, Jeshua and, and others that just, they fill me and they teach me and they talk to me and I can just forgive anything that I've done and forgive anything that someone has done to me in the past. Cause now I recognize that whatever anybody does, it, there's nothing to forgive whether they've done something against me. There's actually nothing to forgive because it's just their process and they don't mean it. It's their ego. 
their soul doesn't mean it. Their soul is equal to mine. And their soul is unconditional love. And we need to evolve to a point individually. You have to do this. You can only do this for yourself. You cannot shop this out. You can't phone it in. <laughs> you got to do the work. <laughs> you got to do the work yourself. And if you're willing to do that work, you can get to a point where um, you are just, you see the world entirely differently. You know, your, your whole perception of what is around you and how people behave entirely transforms. And it's so wonderful. It is so amazing. And, and I need to let everybody know I am still a work in progress. You ask my wife, she'll, she'll tell you, yes, you're a work in progress. <laughs> I am not perfect. I still have things that I'm working on that I need to, to clear. And um, it, is, uh, it is an ongoing process and it is a wonderful process. I bet. I mean, now you're um, you know what it's like to reap the reward on the other side of the challenges, because when you were sitting at that table writing that letter, you didn't get then that there could be a reward on the other side of how horrible you must have felt on the inside then. But now having that experience and being where you are now, there's nothing more powerful. There is one thing for someone to witness it, but it's another thing for you to live it and be a witness for yourself. That's, that's something, that's something beautiful. And then, oh, I, your wife, <laughs> I talked to you a little bit about this before the show, because you've made such a transformation. As you mentioned, yes, we all have more work to do that's that twas the nature of life there's always something more that we can do but I know I imagine that for your wife this had to be quite the experience her husband before this transformation and you now has some of the progression that you've made the growth that you've made spiritually has it changed her perspective in any way for herself has she found herself wanting to uh, go down this same road or maybe a similar one for herself well, you know, interestingly enough, and if you read my um, A Higher Road, you'll you'll understand that when I first met my wife before we were married, she I viewed her as looking at life through rose-colored glasses. She already looked at people um, and understood that she didn't know what happened to them that day or how they grew up or what their experiences were that were shaping how they responded in that moment. Um, so she already had this view of the world and the only way I could describe it was she saw life through rose-colored glasses. You know, people that she thought, no, no, they're just, you know, they just need to, you just need to look at them this way. This is what they're struggling with and they don't mean that. And, you know, she would say things like that and I'd look at them and go, that, that person's a real jerk. I might have even used more colorful language than that. But now I understand how and why she sees things like that. It's This is the difference for me. One of the differences for me is I could never understand it. And now I totally see it. I don't always behave that way. I Like I said, I still have work to do. I don't always behave that way. But I actually can catch myself in the moment and I know when my ego has won the round against me my ego is stepping in and responding with its egoic responses versus me um transcending that and and expressing the love that we are that we all are i love it <laughs> it's it's so 
beautiful how it took you guys some time to arrive at the same space. It's like she was always there and then now here you come and now you're there together. It has to be a pretty powerful energy to be around the two of you together. I bet it's something. Well, I think when um, when I'm behaving in a good way, so to speak, <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and and from a from a uh, my wife is not religious, but she behaves the way people should behave, and she has her own things like all of us do that you know we maybe need to work on. So from the spiritual perspective, she hasn't adopted to take this on. And I don't know what she needs to do. I certainly can't dictate that. But I do know this. I know that she is here to help me in this process, even though I'm sure she feels like, yeah, no, I did not sign up for this. But um, but I but I do know that she's here to help me. And in some way, I'm here to help her. And, uh, and I don't know what that is that uh, we'll leave that up to the there you go there you go I have that this is this I love the principles of creation the creative power itself or the characteristics of creative power itself I really like these these really got me thinking for example um, the nature of the creative power is growth it seems so simplistic yet I think that we miss that and that complacency is what stops people from growing. When we think of, oh no, go ahead. No, I was no, no, say no. The, keep going. The, when, when I when I saw that, it really struck home to me how many things we're not connected to that stop us from growing and spiritually. Because I think that um, with complacency, we actually limit our ability to be able to grow. Because then now we're not even open to taking in some of the things that we would need to grow because we're we're focused and some of us may not be focused i think a lot of it is is because we're creatures of habit we just get used to a certain routine that's familiar and so we'll stay there the problem with that is that that you block anything from the outside that could come in and assist you in going to that next space and most of what would come in to take you to the next space would be unknown that's where growth comes from so when i was reading about the part where it, it talked about everything always living grows as we know it's a universal it's a universal uh, characteristic then that brought home for me going back to that space of ego and how it's like ego is one of those things that is in direct opposition of some of the basic fundamental characteristics of the principles of creation do you see that that way um I see it slightly differently. So, and I, I knew um, you would. That's why I wanted to ask. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> Enlighten me. I, I, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this. So the ego, again, you know, the in order to create individuality, the ego is this tool to do that. And in order for universal consciousness and divine consciousness to experience itself, it needed a way to split divine consciousness into individuals. And the, see, the things that we experience here as good and bad, right and wrong, and I'm not saying we should let anybody ride around and harm anybody or hurt anybody or murder anybody, but the things that we do here that are right and wrong, the divine does not see it as right or wrong everything is divinely ordained it is 
a tool that enables the divine to experience this whole multiplicity of of emotions and reactions that occur in this human form with the billions of people over billions or you know million however many reincarnations i can't say how many reincarnations people go through all of these things that we feel in order for us to we need to we need to feel them and be able to say i love that about me i love this this is an an, ex, an experience that enables my soul to grow and to learn and again when you pass from this lifetime you are unified in divine consciousness and although you retain your individuality while you're in that state all of those emotions that people that are not you know in a in a materialized form right now they are experiencing them with you they are having the joy of experiencing all of these things while you are here now your goal is to i believe your goal is to have all of these experiences in all of these various forms and be able to accept them with love and then when you no longer to be need to be reincarnated because you have dissolved these bondages of the ego and allowed your soul to connect back with the divine you will go back and you won't have to be reincarnated again you will be able to help other people and instand other people but universal consciousness which is in silence and equilibrium and will never be detected in space by science no matter how they probe space has the ability through the mechanism of the divine and all of these individual experiences to experience itself outside of unconditional love because universal consciousness is unconditional love so it has no experience of these other negative things that we do to each other and so in order to experience that it created divine consciousness to be able to experience itself and it created a a process for us to go through where we through evolution have these experiences and then it just makes everything richer in the divine and for universal consciousness to experience that would be a current off the cuff explanation of an understanding that i've put no thought into but <laughs> <laughs> now to me like like a like a direct connection once you once you allow yourself once you go through the process to be able to make that connection is one of those kind of things that as you evolve in that practice you can connect more intentionally uh that's oh. kind of it just it it becomes something where you can make a choice because now you have the tools to tap into that space which is a wonderful thing to have as a tool in your chest in this life i will tell you <laughs> well you know so um the the i think the thing is um so let's talk about this a little bit okay. um you know so in my book so part part um part 1 is just a is a overview of the book and what you're going to learn and how i got to you know kind of a, a glimpse at how i got to this space of of writing this book the part 2 of the book is really a memoir and it's a memoir i'm a very private person but i did a memoir in a very candid way to illustrate to people how my thinking and um emotions and things that i thought were right and wrong true and false and 
and how I reinforce those over my lifetime that brought every experience and every event into my life so that they can go back and they can look and say, you know, perhaps to themselves, if they review their own life, they can go, oh yeah, you know, I adopted that belief and it created that behavior and that brought this into my lifetime. Things that we put into motion, this is a, a universal law of cause and effect. Things that we put into, mo into motion with our thinking and our feelings will eventually manifest as life experiences for us. And the mechanisms of that um, are described if you go through the seven-step process. And there are scientific mechanisms for that that you will be able to understand. So when we come in from, you know, as a, as a new soul uh, in this, in a reincarnated body um, or a new incarnation, you know, all babies typically, especially if they've been born into a family that has means um, and love in them, they, they, they are the embodiment of joy. They're just these open vessels that, you know, they're kind of like, oh, it's great to be alive. And isn't this cool? And, you know, you, I can see things and stuff. And as they grow from babyhood to adulthood, you know, as, as babies, they're just sponges. They pick up everything that you know, their parents feel everything that their parents say and their siblings and, and, you know, acquaintances. And then as they get older, the consciousness develops where they start making choices for themselves. And so that happens about age five or six. And um, as you do that, you start to make choices about what you're going to believe and what you don't believe. So you've come in with things that you haven't dealt with in your past lifetime. You have been exposed to your parents' beliefs and feelings and education and circumstances, and you've absorbed that. That gets mixed with what you came in with. And then you start to make conscious choices about what you believe to be right and wrong and true and false. And, and as you get older, what you do is you bind your soul down with these, with these bondages that shut it off from direct connection with the divine. You think you're becoming versed in the ways of the world, but what you're really doing is shutting your soul off from the light. And then you go through a process where your ego is in control of your life. And the consciousness vibrations that you emit become so off balance and so devoid of good sense, they adversely affect you know, people around you, and they create these consciousness blueprints um, that are, uh, you know, full of so much disharmony that they begin to affect all of your future experiences, activities, and situations. And things that you put in motion through your thinking and your feelings may come into material form as, a, as an experience that you have quickly in, a, you know, in a moment, you know, if you've upset your wife, for example, or... Uh, <laughs> or in a day, a week, a month, things that you put in motion may not come back to you for 10 years or 20 years or, or 50 years. And if you don't deal with them in this lifetime, you create mountains that you need to deal with in your, in your next lifetime. And I put in my book, so I describe exactly how from a scientific perspective and a spiritual perspective, we create our every tomorrows. And I use an example in my book of how I unknowingly and unwittingly manifested a, a lottery win of a $60,000 hardtop convertible Lexus. I didn't know how I did that. 
Um, I didn't even recognize that that's what I did. I thought I was just lucky. But after I understood this process, I can go back and look at that and I describe exactly how this happened. What I did on a daily basis that manifested this for me, this win for me. And we do this throughout our lifetimes. We are manifesting things individually that come into our lives. And we collectively are, are manifesting things that that come to us collectively. So we are unknowingly, unwittingly allowing our external environment, the memes that, you know, we experience uh, that are prolific on the internet are the marketing that's happening, the movies we watch, the uh, all of the media we read, all of the negativity that we read and we think about individually and collectively manifest things that will come to us as individuals or as a society. And things that have been put in motion 10 years ago, 20 years ago, are still going to come into form. No matter what you do, it is a law of cause and effect. And until we realize this and wake up and understand these mechanisms, we will continue to do this to ourselves individually and collectively. If we can go through this process where we understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, link it through the scientific learnings that um, I share with people um, <clears throat> to, and, and this blueprint material that I provide for people after they've read A Higher Road. If you can go through this process, you can understand how we can create a new era of love and peace throughout the world, but it's what done by every individual at a time, one at a time. So individually, we need to do this. And as more and more people become awakened and enlightened and understand these processes, we will be beacons of light for others to follow. And they will be curious about it. And, the, and I think another point that I would like to make is that no matter your beliefs, whatever your beliefs are, never push them onto somebody else. If somebody is not open to listening, is not open to learning, hold your peace. If they are curious and they want to know more, then please share. Because you you can never judge the inner reality of another person. And so even, if, even for my book, even though my book, as with all things in this world, will be the success of it will be measured in terms of number of sales. The real success of this book will be the number of people that read it. So if you have a print copy in your hand and you go, nah, it's not for me, I've read it, please just pass it on to somebody else without any colorful commentary, you know, hey, here's a book you might be interested in, you know, I read it, whatever's going to get them to read it, but, you know, don't make anything up and don't say anything negative, just let them read it and explore it for themselves, just like you did, because you never know whether it's a message that is going to ring true for them and make an entire difference in their life. I agree with that. I like that you said that because that that's one of the things I believe if, that impedes learning and that is approaching things with judgment as opposed to curiosity and assuming, making the assumption that because something isn't for you or you may think isn't for you in that moment, it might not be for someone else because I'm telling you one thing I've learned along my spiritual journey is that because we're evolving every day. In some way, we're evolving all the time. 
something that doesn't appear to be for me today or I may look at or read today and it look one way, I could pick up that same piece of work and have a completely and totally different feeling and different experience with it six months from now, a year from now. Sometimes it takes a couple weeks. Sometimes, depending on what we're going through, um, we'll have so much going on within our minds and just in our lives around us that we're really not in a space to be able to receive certain things. But that doesn't mean that the divine timing won't come along at another point in time. So I really appreciate you pointing that out, Neil. I think that's a that's a very important point. I want to ask, what's something that you used to believe was a truth about Neil that you now know and have learned is a lie? Um, well, um, so when I got into this depression, I picked up spiritual books again and I started to read them again, offered all kinds of great processes. I couldn't make the shift of this change. But one book I did read, and I did, and I do recommend this in, in A Higher Road, is a book about mind and memes. And what this book did for me was, and this author did for me, it was written in the early 90s. Um, but what this book did for me was it opened me up to the fact that what I believe to be right or wrong, true or false, was just a belief. It it, it wasn't the truth. It was just a belief. It's what I believed. It's what I perceived to be the way it was. And that we all do. We adopt these patterns of thinking. We adopt these patterns of this is right. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. And all those are our beliefs. And if you can actually understand that what you think is right or wrong is just a belief, you can start this process to make this transformation, to to begin this. No, awakening. actually, this is uh, while you were talking. I'm thinking these are great clips. I love. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm, I'm all into it. I'm listening. I'm like, yes, take no, 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 no. That's that's not the passion in which you you speak of this. It's exactly what people need to experience. You're that walking testimony of what it's like to actually go through this journey and to discipline yourself for yourself. It, it's it's one of the things that um, it's so important to do, to choose to be. If you're going to be selfish, be selfish in this way. This is the way to be selfish and do something for yourself that not only is going to make the rest of life so much better because you really get to enjoy what it means to live life, to really experience what life is about above all of the the just superficial stuff that we're taught that matters. This is one of those things that I think that everyone should take the time to do for themselves. What's something that you know unequivocally today to be true that you didn't know five years ago? How much time do we have? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> um, I know unequivocally that we are expressions of God and we are here for a purpose. And that purpose will eventually let itself be known to us when the time is right. I like it. Amen. Amen. Everybody, D. Neil Elliott, you have to let everyone know how to connect with you, how to get the book. People, you have to pick up the book. It's It's been a phenomenal experience for me, but I, I have to be completely and totally transparent. I'm going to rewind and go back 
and go through this stuff again because there's there's so much. There's so many pieces there, and I don't want to miss a thing. Let everybody know how they can connect with you. Absolutely. So my website is... So let me tell you this. So the D is to differentiate me on the internet. It is my first initial of my first name. So in order to do that, my website is dneilelliot.com. That is D-N-E-I-L-E-L-L-I-O-T-T.com. You can go there, have all my social media links, learn about the book. And uh, there's a link there to an Amazon uh, to, to get the book. But the book is available, A Higher Road to Cleanse Your Consciousness and Transcend the Ego, A Seven-Step Process to Inner Peace, Love, Joy, Abundance, and Prosperity, is available on Amazon globally in print uh, or ebook. It's available in ebook through Apple, uh, all of your favorite ebook formats, Nook, Kobo, Kindle, Apple. Uh, it's also available through bookstores in uh, hardcover uh, or paperback. And again, on Amazon, paperback, hardcover, or ebook. Uh, and you can pick it up globally. Definitely. You guys definitely do that. Thank you so much for stopping by TGD Studios. So that is it for content today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for the first interview of 2022 but it's the first of many to come here in tgd studios and on the grind to find if you guys haven't already you already know what to do go to thegrinddefined.com click on join the list so that you can stay in the know with everything that's going on with the grind to find as well as terrellandmichelle.com as always just remember i don't care what comes up what happens You have to define your grind and never let the grind define you. Until next time, people, peace and abundant blessings.